house. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord this morning. So good to see everybody with us this morning. I want to make just a few announcements if I could as I start. Uh, I do want to read a few thank you notes that I have this morning before we get into the word. 
Your kind and thoughtful expression of sympathy is deep, deeply appreciated and gratefully acknowledged. Thank you for the meal that you provided for our family. It was such a blessing. Your continued prayers are much appreciated. Love the Baldwin family. We're still praying for the Baldwin family in their loss with Ronnie. Thanks, Gap Hill Church family. Thank you so much for your kindness shown during the loss of Betty Couch. The catered meal was appreciated very much. May God continue to bless you, the Fred Couch family. Also, another loss in our church. Let's be in prayer for this family as well, that God would be with them during this time. Be in prayer for uh, the King family. Wesley King, who was a friend of mine, passed away just this past week from COVID-19. Um, Wesley was only 38 years old, and uh, I'm 37, so that kind of, you know, makes it real there. But um, Wesley was a pastor of a church in in Wahala, many of you may have known, he was at the Potter's House, I believe is what the name of his church was there. He started it several years back as a church plant. And so just pray for Wesley's family today and his wife. And not only for them, but even people that we don't know that have lost loved ones. Let's remember it's a hard time. It's a hard thing to lose loved ones, isn't it? But the Holy Spirit is there to comfort us during these times. So we thank God for that. I also want to welcome our Facebook Live audience today. God bless you guys. We have people watching right now. And sometimes it's hard because I'm preaching to you guys and I forget that we have other people that are viewing. So we welcome them today also to our broadcast. I want to speak today on a sermon. I'm, I'm very, very pumped about this because I just, you know, there's some sermons that when you, when you feel to preach them, you know, you, you wrestle with them. And you are like, God, I really don't want to do that today. And you have to obey the Lord anyhow. I have sermons like that that I'm like, God, that is not a good word for today. Let's just, let's flip on over to the next one. Let's, let's forget about this. But today's not one of those days. Today's one of those days that this sermon has just burned. It's hard to explain unless you're a pastor, I guess. But it has literally singed into my spirit today. And I feel it. I felt it last night. I felt it this past week that the Lord is wanting to speak to us a word today. He's speaking to our nation. We are in turmoil, ladies and gentlemen. If we have ever needed intervention from divine God, we need it right now. And so today I'm going to help us understand how we can have that divine intervention. I'm going to talk about rebuilding the altars, all right? Are you ready for the word of the Lord today? It's going to be challenging. Hopefully by the time we leave, we'll all be saying, My Lord, I've got to go home and build an altar. Let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 is the verse that I want to read to you today. And this is what he said. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and just seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, praise God, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin. Look at the promise of God. Not the promise I'm preaching, but the promise of God. He said, I will heal their land. That's a promise from God, folks. That's, that's not something I came up with last night. This is what God has promised in His Word to a nation, to a church, to every individual that will turn their face towards God. God said, I will bring healing to them and I will bring healing to their land. I was looking over the past 50 years, America has seen drastic change. Many of you here today that are old enough, you can follow along in history and you can see, even more so than I can in my 37 years, you can see the changes that have taken place in America that have been so drastic. We have transitioned from a nation that at one time was based on faith. At one point, this nation, whether you can believe it or not, young folks, we were based on the word of Almighty God. 
It was the very foundation of our fiber. You could not even talk about politics without first talking about what does God say about it. Because God meant everything to us as a nation. So I want to show you this really quickly if I may this morning. This is a nation that seeks momentary satisfaction now rather than the truth. They, they want to do what makes sense to societal trend. We just go with the trend. But there was a time when we didn't just go because the stream was flowing and we were going downstream and it was easy. There was a time that men that were in the White House, they would go upward trend and they would go against the odds because they wanted to base every decision they made off of what God's Word said about it. In an age and hour when they're telling us, well, we've got, see, one of the first things that they did in America is they said, we've got to separate church and state. We can't have the, the church interfering with state affairs and we, we don't want the church in government affairs. And you, we've heard this stuff over and over. But let me tell you, in the founding for Father's terms, and I'm going to read some of them to you. We were a nation that you could not talk about politics without talking about God. Because decisions were not made without God being a part of it. Decisions were not made in our country and in our land until the Word of God was sought out to see because it is the very foundation of our fiber. I'm telling you in an ever-changing society, it is time that we must face the truth. We must rebuild the altars of Christ in our lives. We must rebuild the altar in our churches. We must rebuild altar in society. We must rebuild the altars in the White House. We must rebuild it all across our nation because the only hope for the world, the only hope for the church is if we find an altar and pray at the altar. I, I, now, the America that I grew up in, and I remember this, we had prayer in school. All right, I remember that. I remember that. I'm 38 years old every single day. I don't think it was politically correct to do it, but I remember I had a, a black teacher. That's right, an African-American teacher Probably one of the best teachers I've ever had in my life. Her name was Miss Brown. I'll never forget her till the day that I die. She made such an impact on my life. But Miss Brown would always say the blessing. This is public school system, folks. She would say the blessing with the class, regardless of what happened to her. She said the blessing with the class before we went to lunch. Does anybody remember those days? Did I just have a special teacher? I know it was against the odds because it had already been passed that prayer was to come out of school. So I know that Mrs. Brown, maybe that's why she stands out in my mind so much today and I still think of her. I remember the prayer before meals, even with the uns. I remember the all-night prayer meetings. Does anybody remember those days? I mean, I've been to several all-night prayer meetings where we went and, buddy, we stayed until, the, until it went dark outside. We stayed till the crack of dawn. I remember doing it many times. I remember my friends falling asleep and they'd be laying at the altar at and like they were praying, I'd kick them on the foot and they'd jerk and say, hallelujah. And I'm like, I know you're not shouting. You're like Peter, James, and John. You are sleeping. The bad news is I could sound super spiritual if I stayed awake too, but I went to the back office and fell asleep on that comfortable chair myself. And he scared me and woke me up. So I got payback, all right? And I just did the same thing he did. Glory to God, hallelujah. I've been to the all-night prayer meetings. I know about that. This used to be our nation, folks. Our, our, I was reading some things. This is, this is just interesting. I want you to listen to the voice of our forefathers. This is politics here. You ready for it? In 1643, the colonies of Massachusetts, New Plymouth, Connecticut, and New Haven were founded and declared, and I quote, We all came into these parts of America with the same end and aim, namely, to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did y'all hear that? 
Our purpose as a nation is to advance the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ and for preserving and propagating the truth and the liberties of the gospel. It, was, it wasn't about personal liberties and all oh, you got to have. It was about the liberty of the gospel. Making sure that no matter what we do in America, that the gospel of Jesus Christ would always be freely preached in our land. It could be freely preached in churches. It could be freely preached in our streets. In 1639, Connecticut formed their own constitution and it stated this. I quote, the scriptures hold forth a perfect rule for the direction and government of all men in all duties. In other words, when they got ready to get direction for what they were going to do in Washington, they found that the perfect rule to get direction from was none other than the word of Almighty God. God help us. I'm going to stir us up today. I'm telling you how far we have slidden away from our forefathers. How far we have went away from the truth of the gospel. How far we have went from preserving these things that once we held as sacred. The first court system known as the general court ordered, and I quote, God's word should be the only rule. Not one rule. The only rule for ordering the affairs of government in the common wealth. When Kim Davis gets thrown in jail for standing up for God's word, we better start praying. Anybody remember Kim, Kim Davis? Anybody remember her? Y'all don't remember her? Well, she was that little lady that was what I call the defiant clerk of court. Yeah, y'all remember now, don't you? She had gay couples coming up in there asking for marriage license. To which she was a defiant clerk of court and said, No, God's word doesn't allow me to do that. I can't give you those licenses. They put her in jail. Thank God that God saw her through. The lawyers got her out. She stayed in jail for five nights on whenever she met the crowd that was had their signs and were, you know, just, just so glad to see her and clapping for her and tears rolling down her eyes. She lifts her hand and said, I just want to give glory to God. Hallelujah. When we get to a place that we forget where we came from, it is time for somebody to build an altar again, ladies and gentlemen. The, legacy of, uh, the legislature of Pennsylvania declared, this is 1682, and I quote, The purpose of the government was to establish the laws to preserve, that means to keep, true Christian and civil liberties. Do you see why the liberals are so concerned with the church now? Do you see why they're taking away, trying to take away religious freedoms from us? Do you see why they're trying to shut us down? They are trying to take away what our forefathers have already set in stone. What they've already declared our nation to be. And that is a nation under God. I've heard liberals talking about we want to take it off the money. In God we trust. We're offending people. Get over it, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't like the way America was founded, maybe you need to go to another country over in China or something communist where, where socialism prevents. Maybe that's what you need. But as long as you're a part of this nation, it's one nation under God. See, see we, we've got to build these altars because if we're not careful... I'm telling you the things that I'm declaring to you of our forefathers are being slipped away from us even as I preach this sermon today. As the War of Independence approached, the Continental Congress was established in the year 1774. Do you know what the first act of the first session was? They called a prayer meeting at 9 a.m. at Carpenter's Hall on September the 6th, 1774. The first order of it. It was not opening with a prayer. It was a prayer meeting. 
meeting. Do y'all know what prayer meetings is? Now, prayer meetings is not what the preacher talked about. Close your eyes. I'm going to pray a prayer blessing over you. A prayer meeting is when you pray. Everybody prays. I mean, people down on their knees, laying on their face. That's a prayer meeting. Before they would do anything in Congress, they decided that we need to pray first. My God, help our nation. My God, we need some altars, folks. I'm telling you. At the outbreak of the revolution, the same Congress I just spoke of in 1774 approved the importation and distribution of 20,000 copies of the Bible. Not anymore. We might offend the Muslims. When you start going, listen, I've been in hotels now. Has anybody been in a hotel lately and you see the Quran next to the Bible? What in the world has happened in our country? Next time you go to one, I've seen it. I believe it was in the, I'll go ahead and say it, Marriott, I believe is where I was last time. And I looked in there, I believe it was the Quran or some other Bible there that's sitting beside it. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, that's a shame. Because in America, we are founded on one book, and that is the Bible. Do you not see how we're trying in our world to cater to everybody? That's not what God has called us to do. So what do I do about it, Pastor? Do I call? Let me tell you what you do. You better build an altar is what you better do. Because if my people, my God, that are called by my, if they would just start praying again. Somebody said, Pastor, I can't do anything about it. Before I leave this service today, I promise you, I am going to give you the recipe to save a nation. It is if my people will just pray. President George Washington, one of the greatest presidents of all time, if not the greatest, declared a day of public thanksgiving and prayer. It was October 3rd, 1789. He said, I quote, It is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His perfection and protection and favor. President Thomas Jefferson wrote a book entitled The Life and Morals of Jesus of Nazareth. The 57th Congress ordered 9,000 copies of the book so that they could use it in the Congress. What do y'all think would happen to poor Trump if he wrote a book called The Life and Morals of Jesus of Nazareth? Can you imagine how that would go for that guy? And he's talking about we're going to distribute it. Oh no, no. It's time for somebody to get a burden and build an altar. President Abraham Lincoln said it. We are under God and all men. We, under, we are under God and all men and are created equal and deserve to be free. We're about to have a 157 year anniversary in January that Abraham Lincoln declared as of January 1st, 1863. All slaves and states in rebellion against the Union shall be then, thenceforward, and forever free. It became the 13th Amendment of the United States of America. But in the America of today, let's jump several hundred years. Let's come to the year 2020 and look at how prayer has been taken from our public schools. You look at, listen, I was reading the other day and just you can type it, you can look it up yourself. And people that have been prosecuted for praying in schools. You look up the one girl at the college campus I was reading about that they ended up taking off the campus because the police came and got her because she was trying to pray in public there with people at the school. No, no, no. You can't do that. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. It is time to build an altar. My God. When they've taken out, in 2020, they've taken the Ten Commandments out of our judicial halls. Do y'all remember in Oklahoma City when there was this little six-foot memorial? Anybody remember? Of the Ten Commandments? 
Everybody's standing just waiting. What shift is our country going to take? Are they going to lean towards God like our forefathers? Are they going to stand for the sacred truths that George Washington said it's the only way that we can lead this nation, the Word of God? The Ten Commandments, the most sacred of all the laws of the Bible. What are they going to do with that six-foot statue? Well, the Supreme Court took it. I believe it was in 2015. It was a seven-to-two vote. we got to remove the Ten Commandments. And they took that monument and they removed it even though lawyers, churches, pastors got involved, tried to stop it. They were unable to in Oklahoma City. Listen to me. In America today that have taken the name of Jesus out of all politically correct speeches. You see, why in the world are they worried about the name of Jesus? I'm going to tell you why. It is because they are working for their father, the devil. And the devil knows the power in the name of Jesus Christ. I I, I love old Sammy Rodriguez. And he tells the story, told it at General Assembly of how they asked him to pray. And when he prayed, and he said, The name above all names, the most, most powerful name in all the world, in the name of Jesus. And he said, I declared it right there. Are you hearing what I'm telling you today, ladies? It is time for the church to pray because this is being taken away from us right now as I'm preaching today. This is the America of 2020 that we're dealing with. They've taken the creation story out of our science books. They've replaced it with theories such as the Big Bang Theory. I mean, that theory makes a lot of sense, don't it? Just bang and it happened. I want somebody, I really don't want you to, but if you get a bomb and just throw it against that wall and think God's going to create some new space for us with a bomb, just a bang! And we're going to look and say, man, that's beautiful. All a bang does is tear up things, all right? I'm just going to tell you. We're going to have a hole in the wall over there. To think that all these atoms just with some big bang, they just came together and they formed you and formed me and they formed trees and all this. That is absolute hogwash. But that is the America today. And our kids are hearing such messes. this. They're hearing things such as evolution. There's people thinking they came from monkeys. Come on, somebody. They want to take out the Christian faith. But, oh, we need to know more about the Islamic faith. But that's really important now in our culture today. We need, to, we need to put that in there. Let's talk about other religions. But let's not talk about Christianity. Do you not see how far we have fallen from where we first began? My God, wake up the world. Wake up the church. Wake up every believer in Christ. And let them get their order and build it again. And pray and see the face of the Lord it is the only antidote it's the only antidote for what we're dealing with ladies and gentlemen has moral and social deterioration in 2020 overtaken us our families as we look are fragmented I was watching Steve Harvey not too long ago when he was talking about the African American community and being a white guy you have to be careful what you say people get offended but When you're an African-American speaking to the African-Americans, I think it's more well-received. And as Steve Harvey was up there and he was talking about some of our kids, he said some of our African-American boys, and he started that, you know, thing where he helps raise them. I think he got kind of a fathering program because he said what happened, he said many of our African-American fathers, he said they in the jail instead of at home raising their kids. And I got news for you, it's not just African American. There's a lot of white families, Caucasian, that are experiencing the same thing. Absentee fathers. I mean, where's the fathers that are teaching their children how to pray? Where's the fathers and mothers that are taking their kids to church anymore? We just don't think it's relevant. We don't think it's needed. And that is exactly why I'm preaching to you the degradation of the United States of America. It is because the family has become fragmented. 
Christianity, we've become liberal. Our streets are filled with crimes. My God, just look at Portland, Oregon, what's going on tonight, or today and tonight. In Portland, Oregon, our politics have gotten so dirty that when we see a good politician and he's really good-hearted, we can't believe he is because there's so much filth in Washington. That's the America we live in. Our children no longer fear the Lord. They no longer serve the God that our forefathers served. My God, wake us up, wake us up. But is that the end of the commentary? Is that, is that what you're going to preach to us? Are we going to talk about the doom and gloom? Are we going to talk about how everything's negative? No. I've got some good news for you today. Because in the midst of all the chaos, there is a hope that comes shining through. I said in the midst of all of the chaos that is going on in a world that has degraded from our forefathers to 2020 and crime in our streets and all kinds of mess going on that I don't even care to talk about this morning. What do we do? Go to my text, Chevy. I want to show you again. Let's look at it again. Second Chronicles 7. If. Somebody say if. That is the key to the entire sermon today. So we can preach about it. We can talk about it. But until we actually do it. There are no changes that happen. Our world stays in the mess she's in. Our families stay broken. Hell seems to be winning. The devil seems to be up top and we're at the bottom because broken down altars is what we find in the church. Broken down altars is what we find in the home. Because once the altar is broken down, everything goes bad. If, if you, Daddy, if you lose the altar in your life, then your family will start degradating because you tore down the altar. It happens with our forefathers, men that used to hold the Oval Office, that we can find pictures of them down on their knees. You've seen the famous pictures, in there, and they're praying there in the Oval Office. What a powerful thought. What a powerful picture. I haven't seen one of those pictures, and not in my lifetime. We're afraid we may offend somebody. When you tear down the altar, bad things start happening, folks. And I'm telling somebody today that in the church, I remember, and it's one of the most sad stories that I've ever read in the Bible. It is whenever Elijah is getting ready to call fire down from heaven. And you recall the story. They're praying the bell and they're asking Baal, Baal, send fire from heaven. Prove that you're the God of this age. Show us your power. And the Bible says that they jumped on the altar until they literally tore down. The altar of the Lord. They broke the altar of God. So whenever Elijah gets ready to pray, what was the first thing that he did? He didn't start praying until the Bible said he got down and he rebuilt the altar of the Lord which had been torn down. And I'm telling us today that that is where we are. We've got a bunch of broken down altars. And us just saying things isn't going to change it. Us putting a post on Facebook isn't going to change it. Making a tweet on the Twitter isn't going to change it. But what will change it if somebody can grasp what Elijah grasped? I've got to get down there before I say anything, before I do anything. I've got to rebuild the altar that these devils have torn down. My God, they will not keep the altar broken. Woo! See, people have broken down the altar. Our nation has broken down the altar. So how can we repent without an altar? Anybody remember 
when you got saved, you repented that day. Do you remember that? I can take you to the very spot. I love it. Some of you probably could too. I could take you to a church. I could take you to the exact spot at the altar in that church that I prayed through. Anybody know, remember where they prayed through at? Yeah, I got a, I got a few. Woo, praise God. I got about four heads shaking here. Some of you still trying to get saved. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can take you to the altar where God changed my life. Now, I'm going to read these scriptures. We're just going to hit them back to back, guys. Right, let's go to, go to Genesis chapter 12, verse 7. I'm going, to, I'm going to nail these back to back. Then the Lord appeared to Abram, or later known as Abraham. I may say Abraham, but it's Abram. His name hasn't been changed yet. And he said, to your descendants, I will give this land. And there, what did he do? He built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he, he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west of Ai on the east. And there, guess what he did? He built an altar to the Lord and he called on the name of the Lord. He moves two times in two verses. How many altars did he build? Everywhere he went, he was building an altar. Look at Genesis 13, 1 through 4. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, all that he had, and Lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. That means he goes back to where he had been before. Between Bethel and Ai to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now, now I, I, I got to say something right here. Everywhere Abraham went, there was an altar that he built. Now, now, now as, as traditionalists, and I just want to say this really, really quick. As traditionalists, we have what we call traditional altars. Everybody with me? I don't know why that one's so close to you. It looks like it's about to squint you up over there. You wanted it there. Are you going to let the kids sleep on it? That's a great idea, by the way. Mama put me on the floor. That's got cushions. We've got two little altars here, and that's what those represent, all right? When you read about the temple all the time, there was always strategic things that God did. He built altars and all kinds of things. You know how it was. You can read your Bible. You'll find it whenever the layout of the temple. And one of the most important things was that altar that was built. I'm not taken away from the altar because I love the altar. I have been blessed at the altar many times. I'm speaking of the traditional altar. But I want you to understand something. You can build an altar anywhere. I think sometimes we limit ourselves to our tradition. And we limit ourselves. If I could just make it to the altar at church, I could get my miracle. Well, that's crazy. Why don't you build an altar in your car? You don't need to wait for Sunday if it's Monday. You better build an altar now and pray. You might not make it to Sunday, honey. You may need to get a prayer through right now, right here, right now. So we, we take, you can build the altar wherever you are. That is why this powerful God that we serve is not limited to time or space. He is not limited to a building. That's why whenever we could not meet in a physical location as of yet, what did you do? Did y'all just wait for the church altar? I hope you didn't because if you did, you dried up and dead by now. Hopefully you were home and you built yourself an altar. Is somebody hearing what I'm preaching today? It is time. Listen, we cannot limit ourselves to a traditional altar call. You need to build an altar right where you are. That, 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 that's why this morning, 
If I tell you stand up, lift your hands, and right there at your seat declare that God's going to touch your life, if you have faith, guess what you've done? You've done just like Abraham. You have just built an altar right where you are standing at. Listen, God can move anywhere, any place, anytime. So now we have Abram. And now we have a generational blessing. Does anybody believe in, in throwing down generational blessings? Does anybody believe that the Father can bless the Son? Anybody believe that? I believe it. I still love it when I see people that are passing away and they still bless their children. They want to bless their grandchildren. That's what they used to do in the Bible. I love it. You read about Jacob and Esau and you read about Isaac and how the Isaac, they brought him in and, and they were anointed and blessed. You read about Joseph with Ephraim and Manasseh. And the Bible said that Joseph brought them to his father and his father laid hands on them and blessed them before he left. I wish to God we had more daddies and more grandparents that were just laying hands on their children and saying, be blessed in the name of Jesus. I, I want to give you a blessing. I don't want to leave a curse behind. I don't want to leave negativity behind. I want to leave positivity. I want to leave a blessing. May the Lord God of Israel go with you just like he's went with me. So, so here goes the grandson of Abraham. So if Abraham was an altar builder, I'm sure his little grandson... Can, can, can we just go and I, I visual thing? I can see his little grandson. Old, old Jacob walking around, got a little hammer. And, and old Abraham's out there building the altar. And he gives the hammer to his grandson. Drive the nail, boy. And I can see little Jacob, just a little kid. He's learning the importance of the altar. Papa built an altar. If Papa builds an altar, then Jacob needs to build an altar. My God, I feel like preaching today. So let's go on. Genesis 28. Then Jacob rose early in the morning. He took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, poured oil on top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. Go to verse 1 of 35. Then God said to Jacob, Arise and go up to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar. There to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And he built an altar there. And he called the place El Bethel. Because there God appeared to him. Then he fled from the face of his brother. I want you to see something. Are you ready? There's something in these scriptures I just read to you. That you've got to see before I close. Are you ready for it? God always led Abraham and Jacob back. To the altar. The Bible said that he built an altar at Bethel. And God said, Jacob. He did the same thing with Abraham in our above verse. You need to go back to Bethel. And you need to go back to the altar that you built. You look at Abraham in, our, in the verses we just read. The Bible said that God told him go back to the place. When he goes back to the place, he went back to the altar that he had built. And there he called on the name of the Lord just like he had done before. What I'm telling you is there's some of you at one point. You used to have an altar. Oh, this will preach. You used to go to that altar. That used to be your place. I mean, some, it may have been in the shower. It may have been in your closet. It may have been walking in the backyard. It may have been sitting on the back porch, swinging on the swing while you were sipping your coffee, talking just you and Jesus. I don't know where your altar was, but the point is, you used to have an altar. 
Y'all ready for it? What God is doing with you today is He is calling you and He is calling me back to that same altar. Wherever it was, whatever happened. I don't know if it was time. I don't know if it's because we had kids. I don't know if it was our job. I don't know if it's because we got busy. I don't know if we didn't feel like it was necessary anymore or not. But the altar that we once uh, went to, it is now laying vacant. Never used, never prayed at. But God says to Abram, God says to Jacob, and God says to you, it is time to rise up and go back to Bethel. It is time to rise up and to go back to your altar. If you want the world to change you're not going to get it sitting in your lazy chair watching a binge series on Netflix if you are going to see a change it is going to be because you're going to rebuild your altar or either go back the one you've already built years ago until you do that nothing changes you can complain about the violence in the street nothing's going to change you can complain about abortion all you want nothing's going to change I feel the preacher you can brag and talk hey you can talk about the gays and the lesbians and same sex marriage and all the things that's wrong in the world but until you build an altar nothing's going to change but I can declare to you I can declare to everybody on Facebook today that if my people which are called on my name if they would just build an altar and pray I'm going to hear you I'm going to heal you I'm going to forgive your sins I'll heal your body I'll heal your family I'll heal your church I'll even heal your Land. Woo! Play something, dear. I gotta quit. I gotta quit. Play me a song. So here we go. So our nation, our nation, I, I read it to you in the beginning. Our nation was founded on God. Nothing more, nothing less. All right. There's there's nothing fancy. Just just simple word of God. Simple prayer. Simple quotes that I've read to you today. That our forefathers understood the power of God. Understood the power of the word. They leaned on that. They trusted in that. They're opening their congresses with prayer meetings. Instead of division and political agendas. And political games and fighting, trying to figure out which president they can get in or not get out. Listen, that's not what it's about. What God is trying to do for our nation. He is calling us back to the altar. Nothing changes in your family. Nothing changes in this church. Nothing changes in our broader world until somebody rebuilds an altar. That's what I got. That's what I got today. So I want us all to stand. Beth's going to grab a microphone. Some of you better grab a mic wherever you guys are. And I'm going to pray right now. What I want you to do today as we pray there, everybody in this church, I felt it. When, when I said you used to have an altar, everybody in this building, everybody watching today, immediately in your mind, you went to a place. Right? Yeah. You remembered where that spot used to be. Because at that spot, God's done miracles for you. At that spot, God's answered prayers you never thought would be answered. But every time you went to that altar, something happened. And you know where that is today. And so over your life today, I'm speaking to you. And I want you to know, it's time to go back to that altar. It's time to go back to that place. 
After I'd lost my mother, there were some years I lived in a little town called Patrick, South Carolina. And um, I remember when Daddy had passed away, and I was just a teenager then, and, and uh, I remember Johnny, I used to drive my truck down to the cemetery. Now that's a crazy place to pray, isn't it? They don't, they don't bother you, I promise you that. Ain't nobody bothering you. And I'd walk around that place, and I'd pray, and I'd talk to God. Walk by Daddy's grave, I'd pray a little more. Walk around, walk around. People pass by, just wave at them, just keep on walking. Probably think I'm crazy. I just keep on praying. After Mother died, I went and I spent a little time in that same cemetery. Walk around her grave, Daddy's grave. I walked around, and I prayed. Sometimes I wish that I could go back. It's three and a half hours, well, probably close to maybe four hours. Yeah, probably about four hours late to get to that cemetery. But the things that God did for me in the quiet and the still of that cemetery, no phones, ringing, no text messages, you just cut that stuff, you just leave that in the car. But to go in that cemetery and walk around that area and pray and call on the name of God, the answers that God gave me right there in that place, sometimes I wish I could just jump in the truck. I wish it was like five minutes down the road, but it's not, it's four hours, so if I'm going to do that, I better make a day of it. I might want to make a weekend of it. But I've often thought, I wish I could just go back to that altar that I built right there. There's some of you today, God is calling you to that altar. He's calling you to that altar. My home church, the very altar that I got saved in, in the corner, just like that right here, there was a door that went to the back, almost identical. And I knelt down at that little corner where they come up the steps and sing. Six years old, I got saved right there at that spot in my church. I would get discouraged. I was only a teenage boy. It was only a block away from our Christian school that I went to. I would get discouraged. Satan would be fighting me. I would walk over to that church. I had a key. I would unlock that church. I would go to that spot, Chad. I would fall down on my knees. And it was there at that altar that I could tell you God worked the many miracles when I didn't feel like going on anymore. And I was discouraged. It was at that altar that God rescued me yet again. The same altar He saved me at. And I feel it strongly in my spirit today. It's time for somebody to go back to the altar. You say, Pastor, I wish to God I had a spot like that. Then I'm saying to you like Abraham and Jacob, then it's time for you to build yourself an altar, honey. Build an altar. Find a place. You know, I love Sandra. She works with me. Good to see you today, Sandra. You're looking great, by the way. And, um... She tells a story. kind of gets a little teary-eyed sometime on me. You do sometimes. When she tells me about her father, who now doesn't really know much. He, I go in there and see him sometime, and, and uh, you just say, praise the Lord, and he'll about shout with you. But other than that, he don't know who I am. He has no idea. But to hear her tell the story, of how he'd be out there cutting the grass, and there'd be a rock, and he'd grab the rock, and he'd go and he started building a little altar. And so when you go to her house, there's this rock altar that her daddy built. What a powerful thought. So all she has to do is just go to the altar. It's kind of like Abraham and Jacob. It's the same altar that daddy built. What a powerful thought. My yard's got rocks in it. I've been thinking about building an altar in my back. Because my God, if I start throwing them things, I told Sandra, I'm going to have a pile this big an altar for the whole community 
Folks, do you, get, do you feel my heart today? Do you feel my heart? Are you, is what I'm preaching to you, is it grabbing your heart like it's grabbing mine? Because if it, if it isn't, I may need to take a couple more minutes here to tug at your heartstrings. But I, I just feel like God is calling us back to a place of prayer. I can't help it. Father, today I want to thank you for your powerful name. I want to thank you for who you are. I want to thank you for what you've done. The owners in my life have saved me more times than I can remember. There's people in this church today, Father, they have an altar. I'm asking you to stir up something in them and let them go back to it. Because the miracle that they need is back in Bethel. They just got to go back to it. It's there you're going to touch them. And as we build our altars, you're going to touch us and you're going to touch our families. As we continue to build our altar, you're going to touch our church and you're going to grow us and you're going to help us to be better. And as we do that, you're going to go out into our community and you're going to bless it. And we're going to pray for our nation and you're going to change it. Sing it, man. Sing it. Lord.